Welcome back to this episode of The Generous Life. My name is Eddie Copeland, and I will serve as our host for today's conversation as we continue our talk with Scott Harris, who serves as the Vice President of Church Partnerships and Global Engagement for a ministry called Mission Increase that we have put into our ecosystem here in NCF South Florida under our Unite Vertical. If you didn't catch the first episode, we started talking about what is Mission Increase and why in the world is NCF here in South Florida bringing together ministries and nonprofits and executive directors to equip them to do what they do better. So if you missed that, I would encourage you to check out that episode because it lays the groundwork as I continue my conversation with Scott around reimagining the church parachurch relationship and the need to do that as we move forward together here in South Florida. Welcome back to the Generous Life Podcast as we continue our conversation with Scott Harris of Mission Increase and why in the world we work with ministry leaders and nonprofits as part of our Unite Vertical at NCF South Florida. Scott, welcome back. Uh, Thank you. Great to be here. Hey, so if you're tuning in here, maybe you're just catching this episode for the first time, just for real fast memory, here at NCF, we have a three-legged stool. We call that an ecosystem of invest, equip, and unite, where we work with generous givers, marketplace leaders, church and ministry leaders, all for the sake of pushing back the darkness here in South Florida so that we can see the kingdom of God go forward. And if you're uh, listening, you may be familiar with Church United under the Unite vertical, but you may be wondering, what's this thing called Mission Increase? I've not heard of that before. If you've been a part of our ecosystem, you definitely would remember our work with Ministry Ventures, where we'd worked with ministry leaders and executive directors to kind of strengthen them and come alongside them. But Mission Increase acquired Ministry Ventures a few years ago, and we've been blown away by their work and our partnerships. So, Scott, welcome back. Oh, thank you. It's great to be in South Florida. Hey, so uh, in our last episode, we just started opening up this idea of reimagining the church-parachurch relationship, and you've done some great work with Amy Sherman, who just spoke for us at LifeWork Leadership a few weeks back, and she did an incredible job, but like you both have partnered together to go, wait a minute, uh, we need to think differently about how churches and nonprofits or churches and parachurch ministries work together, because oftentimes, I've certainly heard this and experienced this, we kind of have an us versus them mentality. Pastors, if they're really honest, sometimes feel, I don't really get like all this parachurch work or these nonprofits or like their distractions or they take away from our people. We have our own food pantry. We do our own work to the homeless. And then nonprofit leaders on the other side feel like, man, like, why doesn't the church like come alongside us and support us more or like give us their people? And I want to be in partnership with them. And oftentimes because of that disillusionment on both sides, that both camps walk away sad and kind of not strengthened. That's right. You're working to bridge that. So talk to us. So there's a real legacy of misunderstanding. And I think it grieves the heart of God and it keeps God's people divided, which is the exact opposite of what a united movement wants to happen, right? That's right. So in a lot of cities, there are folks who want God's people to be united, and that's good. But it sometimes doesn't go far enough. For instance, uh, I know a lot of movements or initiatives that are trying to get churches to work better together, right? Pastors working better with pastors. And yes, we need that. And then sometimes you find initiatives that are trying to get nonprofits to work better with other nonprofits. And again, that's really needed, right? We're busy, we're competitive, and left to our own devices, we are going to tend not to collaborate. 
Now, what is even rarer is when you get pastors and nonprofit leaders actually working together. That is rare. It doesn't happen enough, and that is what we are wanting to help change. Now, Mission Increase, historically, we know how to convene faith-based nonprofit leaders around a common training table because we're addressing issues that are near and dear to faith-based nonprofits like biblical fundraising and strategic planning and board governance. But what we also realize is if that's all we do, it's incomplete. How do we also bring together churches and faith-based nonprofits around the training table for the sake of the city, for the sake of God's people who need nonprofit leaders and pastors to be united, and for the lost and the least in our city who need the church to figure out how to work better together. So God's people need us to learn to work together, and the lost need us to learn how to work together. And what you just said right there is why mission increase and the heart behind it fits so well in our ecosystem. Because oftentimes when we find ministries or organizations that work with nonprofits and parachurch ministries, they don't really love the local church. In fact, they're kind of like, you know, almost against the local church, but you guys are going, no, we love the local church and we see strengthening nonprofits and churches as part of our, our mission. And it's just rare. And I just want to say thank Mm. you for that. Well, we're trying to figure it out. And Eddie, you've been so helpful in our conversations just to help us sharpen that message. So let's take an imaginary nonprofit leader, say Sally Smith in South Florida, and she has a heart for the hungry and she has started a food pantry. One of the things that we try to help Sally understand is, Sally, you have a dual calling. If you were to ask Sally what is her purpose and what is the vision for her ministry, again, this food pantry, chances are Sally will say, God called me to feed hungry people. Okay. And we want Sally to sharpen that vision for her to be able to say, actually, I have a dual calling. God has called me to equip God's people to reach people for Jesus who are hungry. Now, that's different. We're not telling Sally, don't feed hungry people, right? But we want Sally to understand that she is a bridge as a nonprofit between the local congregation where there are Christians who are called to serve and the hungry in the city. So Sally has a dual call to serve God's people as well as feed hungry people in the community. So when Sally can make that paradigm shift, it's a better ministry that has a higher ecclesiology and view of the local church and will more effectively feed the hungry people in her community. I love what you just did there. And I just, just for the sake of our listeners, I want to make sure we, we kind of bottom shelf that because what you just did right there is redefined what it means to be part of the local church, right? It's not a yes. distraction or detraction or deterrent from a Sunday morning experience or from a small group and from all the things we know about church, but it's re-envisioning Sally that you are actually part of the local church called to bring God's kingdom to this food bank, 
or when, right. or when you give food away, you are previewing the coming reality of God's kingdom where food insecurity and hunger will be no more. That's right. That's a missing vision. That's right. And for the pastor to embrace Sally's call to feed hungry people, because if the pastor is providing an environment where Sally is nurtured and cared for and equipped, then it says in Ephesians that she has acts of ministry that God wants her to do. So the church succeeds when one of their own is involved in solving a problem in the community. That's not a distraction. That is a fulfillment of the mission. That's a celebration. That's right. So in, in your work with hundreds and hundreds of nonprofits across the nation and, and really across the globe, you've discovered some things that are broken in the church-parachurch relationship. And you've written a great paper along with Amy Sherman. And one of the things that you talk about there is ending a broken model. Yes. What's broken? So I think it's just a model of competitiveness. Some some pastors would think that the nonprofit is a necessary evil. I've heard pastors say this. Well, you know, if we were doing our job, we would not need the nonprofit. I've for sure heard that. And I would say, I would counter that and say, no, 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 no. The nonprofit is part of God's design. So if you think of the local congregation, in a sense, as a generalist, it has to do a lot of things. Think of a local nonprofit as sort of a specialist organization, right? They're tackling one particular issue. And you know, in any healthy family or organization or ecosystem, you need both generalists and specialists. So the local congregation, the generalists, they need the specialist to go out and do something. Yeah. You look at the abolition movement, William Wilberforce, all of these people, Bible translation, all of these people that have tackled big problems, they were nurtured and birthed out of a local congregation. Yeah. So your people being equipped and serving on nonprofit boards, on being staff, volunteers, that is a sign of your church health, not a distraction but a fulfillment. So the broken model is a scarcity mindset where the nonprofit's like, well, it's a good thing we're here because the church isn't doing its job. And the local church saying, well, those nonprofits are just sort of an irritant. That's a broken way of thinking. And gosh, now more than ever, the pagan world and skeptical Christians need us to figure this out. So that's so interesting that you put that on the table because a lot of what I hear in my work is I'll just going to yes and amen. I for sure heard both sides of those arguments, but what I'm also hearing is, and the research would even show this, that the next generation of Christians, not lost people of Christians are running towards nonprofits and nonprofits are booming. Faith-based nonprofits across the nation are booming. Booming, and we got to talk about why. What what is happening? What what is what's the next generation tapping into in your mind? First, I would say it's exciting. Many congregations don't know what to do with the emerging generation and their critique of the local church, but it's an opportunity to redefine what it means to be a generous church. And when a congregation figures out how to engage the community 
to sacrificially give in their own generosity. See, not only are individual Christians called to be generous, churches are called to be generous. I tell the story of my daughter about a year ago, had $100 to give for her tithe, and she just asked the question, so now why would I give my local church anything? They've got plenty. Why wouldn't I give it to the food bank? Now, I was able to walk with her through the the concept of local church and nonprofit, and she understood and she loves her church, but in her mind and in the mind of many young adults, a gospel-fueled nonprofit feels more like what the church should be and what the church should be doing. Absolutely. On mission, getting something done. Now, that doesn't it doesn't have to scare a pastor when they hear that. And don't dismiss the younger generation as merely immature. How do you harness that? So there's a church in our community. They give half their money away. And when I was telling my daughter about this church, she said, Dad, that's a church I'd love to go to. Yeah. So where are the churches that are radically generous? You know, most churches, they want their members to be generous to the church, yes. But the church can model generosity by being radically generous to the community. I can't tell you how many times I have talked to even clients of NCF right here in South Florida that would say, listen, I give my church a tithe. I'm very generous, but I could give so much more. And I think what would unleash so much more generosity in the local church environment, is specifically as it relates to getting the next generation's attention, is if that local church was uncommonly generous, radically generous, trusting God for something more, God will provide. Amen. It's fear that holds us Absolutely. back. Absolutely. And imagine this. Let's say that you know, I'm a typical worker in North America making an average salary. It's unrealistic to think that an average middle-class American, whatever that is these days, can live on half of what they make. So maybe as an individual Christian, I'm really struggling to give my church 10%. So maybe I am not going to be able to live on only 50% of what I make, but if I gave my 10% to a congregation that collectively was giving 40%, 50%, look how that maximizes my tithe to my local church that so much of what I give to the church is going out the door in kingdom impact. We have a church here in South Florida, uh, the Greenhouse Church, uh, pastored by John and Nancy Lash. They're going to join us for some later episodes on our podcast. They do just that. And they're reaching the next generation. And they're one of the most radically generous churches. But here's the thing. They're not a mega church. They're an average-sized church doing great things in the community. But the way they've thought about their resources has caught the attention of the next generation. They're doing something incredible. That's right. So that is an opportunity. So whereas many of us would only see this as a problem, how do we engage the next generation? This is a way to do it. I'm not saying that radical generosity is the answer to all of our ills, but I do think the Bible has a lot to say about how God comes through for his people when they put others first. Absolutely. So Scott, um, you've talked about not only ending a broken model or looking at the church-parachurch relationship as a broken model. Give us some some vision for a way forward. You talk about a new language, you, you, and, and you talk about these, these, these kind of promising way forwards that you're seeing. Give us yes. a picture of, okay, so it's broken. Yes. How would you fix it? Yes. So here's some things to keep in mind. Um, my friend Amy Sherman, who Eddie knows, she and I wrote a paper um, 
There's a four-page version. There's a 19-page version that has case studies of good examples of churches and nonprofits that work well together. So we'll be it, sure to put that in the show, yes, in the show notes. Good. So it is out there. It's just not common enough. Here's one word for congregations and pastors. I would love to see more churches embrace a unified discipleship and missions model that is one and the same. A lot of churches will have a discipleship strategy, how we're going to educate our people, and they'll have a missions strategy. They really should be one and the same. Because how do people learn best? They learn best by doing. And that's not meaning that we don't need to dig deep into our Bibles. But a church's mission strategy and discipleship strategy should really be one and the same. So when churches lean into that hard work and figure that out, that has incredible potential. And then for nonprofits, we are eager to take nonprofits through a innovative process that helps them rethink how do we serve local churches even as we tackle some of the issues in our city and our world. And those are not mutually exclusive. So as we pioneer new ways of interacting together, having a higher view of each other, God's people get equipped better. They don't feel as divided between my church world on a Sunday or a Wednesday and my volunteer world on a Tuesday or a Saturday. And uh, and cities are blessed because God's people are working better together. Now, it sounds maybe pie in the sky, but no, we are told in God's word that it actually works. So thank you, Eddie and NCF South Florida, for what you're doing to knit together God's people in all of these various expressions for the sake of our city and for the sake of our world. Yeah, and I love what we share in common is is we together reimagine how we bring churches and faith-based nonprofits together. Because if our theory of change, if you will, in the Unite space has been healthy leaders, healthy church, flourishing cities, right? And if we can bring leaders together, not just pastors, but now also ministry leaders, executive directors, and create this kind of safe third space environment in these cohorts and in these workshops to go, all right, like, yes, we're going to strengthen you above the waterline. You're going to get best practices. You're going to learn a lot, but we're also going to create an environment where you can grow and ask questions and maybe field some of the stuff that you're struggling with, trying to navigate a post-COVID world or a a post-church growth world. I mean, there's a lot of new things happening. And rather than trying to figure that out by myself on YouTube or on Google, you've done a great job of creating an environment where we bring these nonprofits together to process a lot of the future so that we could grow together. And I want to say thank you for Mm. that. And and to that point, thank you, Eddie. And I would just say, hey, nonprofit leader, don't just talk to other nonprofit leaders. Who are the pastors that are speaking into you? Even if they don't fully understand you, what you do. So good. That's a voice you need. And hey, pastors, are you only talking to other pastors? Why not talk to some nonprofit leaders about what they're doing? And 
each side may be surprised that God's at work in both spheres. Yeah. And pastors too, like I think what, what we've seen in the church United space is we've learned so much about the lay of the land on various issues around mercy and justice because we've talked to our nonprofit leaders here, because we've talked to our faith-based nonprofit leaders, we get a glimpse of worlds that meant like I'm so far removed from at times. Like, if I want to learn about foster care, I'm going to go talk to Kevin Enders, right? If I want to learn about homelessness, I'm going to go talk to Hope South Florida. If I want to learn about elder care, I'm going to go talk to Juan Gallo and heart to heart. And that list could go on and on. But because they're busy living in every day, we have much to learn. And I love that mutually beneficial yes. relationship. We need reciprocating relationships. Absolutely. So here's a metaphor, an illustration that I found so helpful. A mentor of mine talked about the local congregate. Think of it, God's people, it's like wagon train. We're on a journey. Okay. The local congregation is the wagon and the wagons typically move slow. And the right? wheels fall off sometimes. And the wheels fall off. But you know, every wagon train has scouts. What do the scouts do? The scouts go on ahead. They get a lay of the land. They figure out where's the water, where's the food, where are the dangers, what's the best way forward. In some ways, a local congregation can be slow, right? And uh, they're the wagon. The nonprofit, they are the scouts. And they're going out ahead and they get a lay of the land. Hey, here's a direction we need to go. What good is a scout without a wagon train? And what good is a wagon train without the scouts? I love that analogy. It's just a great picture that we need both. Yeah. We need the wagon and we need the scouts. Hey, real quick, as we start to wrap up here, uh, one of the things that you advocate for is some new language. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, you know, there's a, ch- a problem with our language, right? Church and parachurch. And um, even though that's in the title of the article, we're calling for the end of that language, but yet we use that language because that's what people are familiar with. So when we do a workshop with nonprofits, how to think of the church better, and when we do a workshop with pastors, how to look at nonprofits better, or even more fun, you get them in the same room, we talk about maybe, could we talk about one church, the big C church, in two expressions? You have the congregational expression of God's people, but then you have the ministry expression of God's people. Now, even that gets complicated because churches have ministries, preschool ministry, children's ministries, but maybe agencies. So talking about congregations and agencies as two sides of the same church. Well, that's just an age-old theological principle. It's the church gathered, it's the church scattered. Bingo, that's right. But when we think church, we think congregation. And when we think of a nonprofit, we don't typically think of them as a church, and they're not the same as a congregation, but they are the church. They're God's people on mission in that particular place getting something done. So we're all the church, and we need to honor each other. I love that. I love that beautiful picture. And could you imagine just with me for a second, if we fully caught that vision here in South Florida, if we could really kind of put down this unnecessary division between the local church and the faith-based nonprofits, I think not only would we see so much more generosity in these spaces, we would see so many more people equipped, mobilized, and deployed out to own the lostness, the brokenness, and the pain that defines so much of South Florida. Absolutely. And listen, now more than ever, we've always needed it. But now more than ever, we've got to figure this out and we've got to make it work. And what's really encouraging, God will give us the tools, the insight, the energy to make it happen. 
Well, Scott, it's been great to talk with you as we have um, opened up this great dialogue about reimagining the church parachurch relationship and the need for new terminology. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Eddie, it's an honor. And thank you to all of our friends at NCF South Florida for your significant ministry. It is a model for the rest of the country. So blessings on you. Well, it's been great to talk with my friend Scott Harris of Mission Increase as we continue to labor with them alongside Church United in our Unite vertical of the NCF South Florida ecosystem. If you've been listening here and you're like, man, I would love to learn more about how I get a ministry involved in Mission Increase, or if you're an executive director of a ministry or part of an executive team of a ministry, and you're like, how do I get involved in that? Visit our website, ncfgiving.com slash South Florida, where you can learn a little bit more about Mission Increase and how to get involved. 